Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. And uh, man, good to see y'all. You guys got your Bibles head over to Luke chapter 7. Luke 7 is uh, where we're going to be today. We are in the second to last week of a series that we've just been calling Controversial Jesus. I'll be honest, when the series is done, I'm going to need a nap and a Vicodin. Man, it is, this has been, <laughs> we have leaned in during this series and uh, just, you know, t- take a little extra, but really excited about this now um, to, to set the stage um, for where we're going today. Um, you know, every week, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about how I want to intro the message. You know, it's like, that's how you kind of set everything up. And I, I literally, I couldn't think of a better intro than an eight second YouTube video I stumbled across a few months ago. Okay, I actually found it on TikTok, but eight second video. Now, um, I want to show you this and, and it kind of sets the stage for this. Now, when you see, it's only eight seconds long, so y'all got y'all to pay attention. I need you to keep your eyes on this kid uh, circled in yellow, okay? Receive this glory. Here you go. (laughs) All right. That's incredible. That's incredible. It's so incredible. I want to see it again. All right, watch it again. Now, just keep your eyes on this kid trying to blow out the candles. Here you go. Do Do it again. All right, Jan and I have watched that legit like 30 times. Now, you, wait, I am getting ready to preach the Bible version of that video. That's what's getting ready to happen, man. What, what I'm getting ready to do is lean in. It's my, this is, I think, literally true. This is my favorite story in the whole Gospels. And it's, here's the story. One dude's throwing a party, another dude's throwing a fit. One dude's throwing a party, another dude's throwing a fit. Now, Here's what you got to understand about where we're going today, all right? What we've been doing during this series, Controversial Jesus, here's why I wanted to do this series. When we are saved, we are saved from the world. The Bible says that friendship with the world is actually enmity towards God and that this world is in conflict with the word. And so that, man, when we are saved and submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, what happens is that we are not conformed to the pattern of this world, but we are transformed into the likeness of Jesus, And what that means is that, man, as you get, your ability to walk in faithfulness to Jesus is directly contingent upon your ability to be able to be different from the rest of this world. In order to make a difference, you've got to be different. And so during this series, we've been leaning in to all those aspects of following Jesus that that they are, man, they are in stark contrast with the world, which is what makes them controversial. Now, what you gotta get to get today's message is that the stuff that, was, that is controversial about Jesus in our culture was not controversial about Jesus at all in his culture. 
And there are things about Jesus that our culture loves that were radically controversial about Jesus in his culture. So for instance, what was controversial about Jesus during his ministry was not his sexual ethic. It was not his claims of exclusivity. It was not his insistence upon the infallibility of the scriptures. It was not his views on marriage and divorce. None of those things were that controversial in Jesus' time and place, okay? For Jesus during his ministry, the controversial aspect was not behaviors he condemned, it was people he embraced. This is what like riled everybody up about Jesus, all right? And so as we lean into this passage, you're, you're gonna see that and then I, I, I wanna explain it, all right? So Luke chapter seven, verse 36, there is a 0% chance I make it through this whole uh, message with it without getting a little teary-eyed here. Here we go, all right. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. Now, if you're paying attention, you're going, whoa, that's, that's weird. Because I thought like it was Pharisees versus Jesus, Ivan Drago versus Rocky. Like I thought that was a whole deal, man. Is that these two things were like, I thought they were enemies, not friends. Well, you gotta understand this, man. The Pharisees were ladder climbers. They were all about the praise and admiration of men. And so what they would do is check this out. In this story, they're not wanting Jesus, they're not wanting time with Jesus to worship him. They wanna use him. So what they would do is, this, it, it, it was like the, the first century version of trying to like do a collab post with an Instagram influencer is what they were doing. They would throw these little, about 10% of you know what that means. I'm, I'm willing to lose 90% and gain 10 for that little analogy, okay? Well, here's what they were doing, man, is that they would throw these little quote unquote private parties and then they would invite people who were like, you know, famous, like little influencers of the day over. And then they would leave the doors open to their private parties so everybody could see like, we're friends with that person and, and I'm cool by, you know, association is what they would do. So what they did is, you gotta understand, by Luke chapter seven, y'all, Jesus is famous. Huge crowds are following Jesus wherever he goes. So the Pharisees invite him not to worship him, but to use him for their agenda instead of submitting themselves to his agenda. So it says, and he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at table. I'm not gonna give you, this is gonna be real quick. You just gotta get this, fix this in your head for later in the sermon, not, just fix this in your head, all right? So this is like what, the, <laughs> What I learned today, I need a smaller stomach or a bigger shirt is what I learned. All right, so this is the analogy, not the analogy. This is what they would do. They would recline at table, right hand on, right elbow down, legs, this will be important later, legs behind them, head in front of them, leaning towards the table. Now you gotta get that posture in your head as we read the rest of this deal because you're gonna, that's gonna, that's gonna be important here in a second. And behold, a, your, your Bible just says this, a woman of the city is what your Bible says. Now, just like in our culture, uh, how there's like a hundred different little slang terms for like a prostitute or like kind of a prostitute-like person, okay? Uh, in their culture, they had a bunch of slang terms like that. Now, about 95% of them I can't use because we're in church and I'm a preacher. So like in our culture, we might say she was a lady of the night is what we might say, okay? Now, here's what they would do. Okay, this is where this analogy comes from. The language is she was a woman of the city. Now, I've already preached two PG-11 sermons. I'm not doing another one right now. So, so here's what's happening. Like, understand what I'm saying. Jana, my wife Jana, she is a woman of Josh. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Okay, she's a woman. This woman was a woman of the whole city. 
That's what's going on right here. So it's just, it's calling that out, okay? Who was a sinner? When she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now, there's two things you need to know about this alabaster flask of ointment. Number one, very expensive. If you do the conversion rate from ancient denarii to U.S. dollars and then adjust for inflation, we're talking this thing probably costs around $70,000. Like, like this, this, is, this is legit, okay? But number two, and this becomes really important here in a second, this was a tool of her trade. Just like any business has to have some marketing strategy so people know that you got a product that, that, that you're even selling, a woman of the city in this culture had to have a marketing strategy. Now, how do I get one? How do I get word out so people know that they're near the product? And then number two, how do people know that I'm the product? Well, what they would do is they would take, like uh, prostitutes would wear a little necklace with this alabaster flask of ointment around the necklace so that one, as dudes that were willing to use women, as they were walking through the city, they would smell something and they go, okay, I'm near the product. And then they would see the woman wearing it and go, she's the one. So this lady is bringing, this is a tool of the trade that she's bringing and standing beside him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with the hair of her head. Now, there's a lot of stuff that I have to explain because in our cult, like in their culture, they would have read it and gone, she did what? In our culture, we don't even think about it. That sentence is one of them. It says that she let down her hair and she began to wipe the feet of Jesus with her hair. Now, this is a big deal because in this first century Middle Eastern culture, a woman never, an adult woman never let her hair down in the presence of a man that was not her husband. Uh, in fact, to do so was legal grounds for divorce in this culture. Like this is a, think about this. We actually see this modern day. This is the area of the world where some traditional cultures still do the hijab thing. So it's the exact same thing. So think about this. This woman starts doing to Jesus what she had previously only done with customers. Now imagine this. If I'm at a pastor's gathering, bunch of pastor dudes, a, a woman of the city walks in dressed like a woman of the city and she starts treating me or doing things to me that she only do to her customers. Every other pastor at the group, they'd be going, okay, well, well, number one, how does he know her and how does she know him? And number two, what in the heck's getting ready to happen right here? Okay, that exact same thing is what happens in this scenario. So she kisses his feet and anoints them with the ointment, and anoints them with the ointment. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, uh, irony coming, if this man were a prophet, he would have known what sort of woman this is who is touching him. Now, number one, there's some irony going on here because Simon the Pharisee is going, if this dude were a prophet like he said, well, then he would have prophetic insight to know who this woman was, okay? Now, here's the irony. In the next verse, Jesus reads Simon's mind and responds to Simon's thoughts because he is a prophet. So that's number one, there's irony going on. Number two, you gotta get this. There's a reason the Bible says, Simon goes, he would know she's touch, who's, who's touching him. Because in this culture, there were incredible, like huge numbers of what were called cleanliness laws. And what had to happen, if you were a religious guy that wanted to be in good standing at the temple and have the ability to offer sacrifices and enter the temple to, to do right worship, your job was to maintain your cleanliness. To do so, you had to keep distance from anything that was unclean. Now, Somebody could become unclean in hundreds of different ways. 
like lepers, skin diseases, unclean. Uh, People who engaged in inappropriate sexual contact, temporarily unclean. What you had to do, if you were unclean, if you wanted to remain clean, you had to keep a distance of at least 50 paces from someone that was unclean. Now, here's why. Here's how that math maths. Because under normal circumstances, if an unclean thing touches a clean thing, the unclean thing makes the clean thing unclean. But how many of y'all know that Jesus is not normal circumstances, man? That Jesus came as a universal disinfectant. That Jesus is a stain remover is what he is. And so with Jesus, the math doesn't math like it normally maths. With Jesus, when an unclean thing touches a clean thing, it's not the unclean thing that makes the clean thing unclean. When Jesus, a clean thing, touches an unclean thing, the clean thing makes the unclean thing clean. That's what happens with Jesus. So Jesus goes, yeah, man, come on in. Man, come on, come to the universal disinfectant. I can take that thing that is red as crimson and I can make it white as snow. So he goes, hey, man, come on in now. Here's what happens. As soon as this happens, Simon the Pharisee, here's what happens. You have this contrast. This woman is worshiping Jesus. Simon is whining about Jesus. Simon in his heart, he's essentially doing this. He's going, well, you're not supposed to do it like that. That's what Simon's doing, okay? Now, it absolutely blows my mind how there are always two radically different responses to Jesus. Some people meet Jesus, they hear about Jesus, and they want to tell it on a mountain. Other people, they encounter Jesus, and they want to tattle on him to religious leaders. That was the Pharisee. These were the dudes that volunteered to be hall monitors as kids. Uh, these are the dudes, they become presidents of their HOA when they grow up, man. That's, that's the Pharisees, what they are, okay? That's a, that's a, joke. That's a joke. I love, I love HOA. Love, love y'all. <clears throat> now, Two groups, so worshipers and whiners, okay? Now, I'll be honest. So y'all gotta know this. When I'm preaching, you're not just seeing me, I'm seeing you. Like, in fact, like that, you, in order to be a good communicator, you gotta have an incredible attunement to who you're, you're preaching to. So I see this every week, is that when I'm preaching, there are two radically different responses in the room, man. Like, I, I will preach about the love, mercy, grace, and power of Jesus. And man, like some people, it's like, bro, they are all in. It's like, I, I got amen Jerry Minx over here. Amen, you ever ask Jerry Minx, man? I got people who like, when I get to that Jesus part of the sermon, I see it every week. Every week there's people who in the middle of the message, they're holding up their hands. Y'all are bursting out in applause. There's tears flowing down cheeks. Like I'm seeing it, I'm seeing it in seats, man. And then there's other people who like, <laughs> I walk into my office on Monday, I open up the laptop and the first email is, well, I was offended, okay? And I'm like, well, okay. You know, it's like, I don't know what to say. Now, so let me, what's the difference? What's the difference between the worshipers and the whiners? This passage is gonna tell us, watch this, verse 40. And Jesus answering him and said, Simon, I have something to say to you. In other words, buckle up, bro. Essentially what he's doing is he's going, Simon, you're a teacher. Sit down and shut up because this prostitute is about to teach the lesson today. And, he, and Simon answered him, say it, teacher. Not say it, Lord, Say it, Savior. Say it, Almighty God. Simon just goes, say it, teacher. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. That was two years and two months worth of wages. When they couldn't pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, the one I suppose for whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus said, you're right. You have judged rightly. 
Then, now listen to this, man. Y'all, like, when you read these events, you gotta picture them in your head. It says this. It says, Jesus, turning toward the woman, said to Simon. So Jesus looks at the woman dead in the face, but he's talking to Simon, and he says to Simon while looking at the woman, he says, Simon, do you see this woman? Implication, you don't. You see a category, you see a failure, you see a sinner. If you visited her, you might see a pair of breasts, but you don't see a woman created in the image of God, deeply loved by the most high God, who is valuable and deserves to be treated as valuable. He's like, man, you don't see that? Jesus turns to this woman and he says, do you see this woman? Still looking at the woman and talking to Simon, he says, I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You, you gave me no kiss, but from the time I I entered, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven because she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And then he said to her, woman, your sins are forgiven. Now watch this. This is when everybody starts to wig out. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, well, who is this who even forgives sins? Now, do y'all understand? They're actually thinking logically. Because I, now as a Bible teacher, I'm going, oh man, horseshoes and hand grenades, y'all are so close right now. God bless you. Bless your little heart. Here's what's happening, man. They are rightly thinking, well, hey, wait a second. He forgave this woman's sins, but the only person that can forgive a sin is the one who it was committed against. And the Bible says that all sins are ultimately against God most high. So if the sins were committed against God most high and this guy is forgiven sins, wait, only God can forgive sins. And I'm like, oh gosh, you're so close because God is sitting at your table right now. He's the one that loves the prostitute at his feet. Y'all are so close. And then he said to the woman, Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you, not your tears, not your emotion, not your sacrifice. Your faith has saved you, go in peace. Now, that's a dang good story. Now, check this out. We gotta, you don't understand, like, why was this so controversial, okay? Well, you, you got to get it. These Pharisees, they were steeped. They believed in law and works-based religion. And here's how the math of law and works-based religion works out. is God's acceptance of you is dependent upon your obedience to him. That the more righteous and obedient you are, the more you keep the rules, the more God loves you and the more God accepts you. And they believe that down deep in their hearts. So what that means is, what they believed is that the good people are in and the bad people are out. The moral people are in and the immoral people are out. The righteous people are in and the sinful people are out. Let me bring it into this living room. What it meant was people like Simon and the Pharisees were in and people like this prostitute, well, they're obviously out. But then Jesus comes and he like, blows up all their system. Jesus comes up and he says things like, hey, I didn't come to call the righteous. I came, I came for the sinners, call, call the sinners to repentance. The healthy don't need a doctor, it's the sick. He came saying things like he said to the religious leaders, to the Pharisees, he said, prostitutes and tax collectors are entering the kingdom of God before you. Now, how in the world does that work? Like to these guys, it blew their mind. Well, you gotta get this, man. And this is the most important thing you will ever hear from me. This is, uh, this is, I'll just get it. Jesus came and he was saying, no, 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 you don't earn your way to God. 
The only way you can do it is by faith receive grace from God as a gift that has nothing to do with what you've done or earned. In fact, the, the book of Ephesians just says it like this real straightforward. I want you to say the first yellow word out loud. For it is by grace, unmerited favor apart from anything you've ever done, man. By grace you've been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves. Got nothing to do with what you did, what you're doing, what you're gonna do. This, is, this kind of salvation, not from yourself. It's the gift of God, not by works. Doesn't matter what you did or doing, gonna do. So that no one can boast. Now, here's, why, here's what's going on. Here's why Jesus is like blowing all their circuits. Because we, every one of us, we've got a tendency to believe that God loves us either based on our past we say stuff like this, you know, well, I've been doing pretty good lately. Been reading my Bible consistently, been staying away from sins. You know, I've been doing pretty good lately. Or we think God loves us based on our future. We make all these promises and resolutions about how we're gonna start doing, and that's why God loves us. But God's affection isn't based on our past or our future. It's based on Jesus' past, and we get Jesus' future. See, this is the message of the gospel, that everything, the only way to God is to stop trusting in your own works and what you've done, to release your sense of self-righteousness. Now, nobody thinks they're self-righteous. Here's all that means. If you think you can be good, righteous by yourself, that is literally the definition of self-righteousness. To release your sense of self-righteousness and go, man, my only hope is to cast myself on the only one who ever was righteous, Jesus, by faith. That's how you're saved. So this is it, not from works, only by Jesus. Now, you know how like uh, high school basketball players, they'll watch like little mixtapes of like Michael Jordan or LeBron right before games to get them all hyped up, you know? I do the same thing with preaching. I got like four or five preaching clips. I'll walk right before, watch right before I walk out, okay? Uh, I am getting ready to preach almost verbatim. The two minutes, I believe it's like the two greatest minutes of preaching that has been preached in my entire lifetime. It was preached by this dude named Alistair Begg, one of my favorite Bible teachers, Alistair Begg. We got Alistair Begg fans over there. I like y'all, man. Okay, Alistair Begg. Now, here's what you gotta know. It's not gonna sound near as cool when I do it because he's Scottish. Okay, which is, by the way, it, it kind of makes me angry because he, he's got a, a preaching cheat code. Like, it sounds like C.S. Lewis is having coffee with you when he preaches, and I'm, I'm like a Tennessee, Texas accent. It's not, not quite as cool, okay? So here, here's what Alistair Begg said. He said, man, imagine you go back to that, that old evangelism explosion question from the 1980s. You know, if you died tonight, why should God allow you into his heaven? And Alistair Begg said, man, if we answer that question in the first person, because I, because I obeyed, because I tried, because I was righteous, because I gave, because I attended, because I studied, because I was baptized. If we answer that question in the first person, we've immediately gone wrong. He said, the only answer to that question is to answer in the third person, because he, because he was good, because he was righteous, because he was sacrificial, because he was loving, because he was wonderful. He goes, man, that, that, that's the only answer. And then he said this, he said, man, think about the thief on the cross, dude that was crucified next to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, today we'll be, we'll be in paradise. It's like, man, when I get to heaven, I can't wait to find that guy and just ask how everything shook out after he died. Because it's like, you think about this guy, think about this. That dude had never met Jesus before that day. We don't even know if he knew Jesus' name. He had never been to church, never been baptized, was not a church member, didn't even know the 10 commandments or the Bible existed. 
And yet, he made it. Guy made it into heaven. So, like, so the question is, how? So you imagine this dude dying, and he shows up at the gates of heaven. There's the angel that's there, like the little entry-level guard, you know, a minimum wage employee. And, and that little, little angel is like, okay, he's doing his job. He's like, hey, you know, he asked a question. So, uh, hey, t- you know, tell me why you're here. And, you know, this thief on the cross goes, I don't know. You know, he's like, well, what do you mean you don't know? He goes, uh, well, why are you here? And the guy says, I don't know where here is. You know, and the angel's like, well, but, well, then how, but if it, well, then what, let me go get my supervisor. And he goes and he, goes and he grabs his supervisor angel. Supervisor angel, angel comes out and he goes, now, hey, let me just ask you a few quick clarifying questions. Are you clear on the doctrine of justification by faith? You know, and the guy's like, never heard of it. He's like, whoa, what are you, what are you talking about? Okay, whoa, whoa hang on. What, what about the divinity of Christ? We, we gotta make sure, you're good on the divinity of Christ, right? The guy's like, Christ, never heard of him. Was that that guy's name I was just next to? Is that who that was? You know, I ne- never heard of him. He goes, well, well, what about the infallibility of the scriptures? Do you assent to the infallibility of the scriptures? He's like, didn't even know there was a scripture. Never heard of it, man. What about where were you baptized? Hated water, avoided it my whole life. Don't know what that means, you know? And eventually, in frustration, the supervisor angel says, on what grounds are you here? And all the man can say is, the man on the middle cross said I could come. And that's it, man. That's the only answer. Because he, because he, that's the only answer because we're saved by grace and not works. That's why prostitutes and tax collectors enter the kingdom of God before Pharisees because they realize they're sinners in need of grace, but the Pharisees think they're so good, they don't need grace and they won't come to Jesus. Man, in an incredible irony, listen, watch this. Those who think they deserve to be in, Jesus said, you're out. And everyone who knows they deserve to be out, you're in. In an incredible irony, every single person in hell will think they deserved heaven. And every single person in heaven will know that they deserved hell. Because we are saved by grace alone. And that wigged out these dudes, man. It actually wigged them out. Now, this is the spot. I got to do a little side note. (laughs) I got to do a little side note at this spot in the sermon. Because everybody that's reading this story, like especially from my generation and down, here's what you're doing right now. You're going, heck yeah, man. Hate those traditional legalistic Pharisees. Jesus is so awesome. He just wants this woman to be her authentic self. Here's this awesome, sexually liberated woman coming in and doing her thing in front of these sexually repressive, patriarchal Pharisees. Slay, girl. You do you. Fire, fire, fire. You know, it's like all this stuff. Can I just point this out? This woman is in tears because she hates her old life of sin and she wants a new one. Jesus clearly calls her a sinner and he forgives her, he does not condone her behavior. And then I planted this Easter egg earlier in the sermon. Let me, let me bring it out. Remember, she breaks this alabaster jar and she uses it at Jesus' feet. This was a tool of her trade. In other words, she was saying, I'm never gonna need this again because I'm about to live a new life. And so Jesus like, why don't you just take this from me? This is all yours, man. Like, you gotta get this. Get this down deep in your soul. Jesus saves us as we are, but he doesn't leave us where we are. Man, he's not just a savior that saves us from the penalty of sin. He's a Lord that frees us from the power of sin. 
So man, when you get rolled over by the freight train of the gospel, it's gonna rearrange some things in your life because you just love him so much that you just can't help offering all your life to him. And this is what happens when you meet Jesus. In fact, watch how he said it. This is John 14. Jesus said it like this. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Now, some of you guys, you hear the wrong tone of voice when you read that verse. You read it as a threat, like Jesus is saying, well, if you love me, you better obey what I command. Y'all, that, 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 that's not a threat. That's a promise. Jesus is saying, hey, man, if you love me, if you just love me, you'll obey what I command. Now, can, I, can I say something to you? If you're new to Christianity, you just crossed a line of faith here at Lake Point for the first time you're following Jesus, and you're going, man, Christianity, it's just so hard and complicated. I can't keep track of all the rules. Can I just say something to you, man? Stop thinking about all the rules. Just fall in love with Jesus and everything will fall into place. Just fall in love with Jesus, man. In fact, like, y'all need to know, like, this stuff happens. Like, that kind of stuff, it happens, man. The picture I'm getting ready to show you is an actual thing that was put in an offering bucket a few months ago. Okay, so this is the actual thing put in an offering bucket a few months ago. Now, a lot of our campuses immediately know what that is. Here at Rockwall, a lot of people are like, why somebody put oregano in an offering bucket? Okay, <laughs> I'll check this out. Uh, so, so that's pot is what that is. And there was a note attached to it that just said, I felt like I needed to give this to Jesus. That's right, man. Like, man, you need to get this. When I saw that, what happened at a French church, when I, when I saw that, I immediately thought that was the most valuable offering given that week. Because some people, some people, they can write big checks. That dude rearranged his whole life for Jesus. And when you meet him, Man, when you meet him, when I met Jana, I rearranged my whole life out of love for her. When you meet him, you'll begin to rearrange your whole life, not out of obedience and fear, out of love and freedom, man. Out of love and freedom. You just want to live for him. Now, I say all that to get to this last thing. There is a right response. Check out what this woman does. There is a right response to encountering the love, grace, mercy, and power of Jesus. So there were three things. If you were just like standard operating procedure, there were three things if you hosted somebody at your house that you were always supposed to do in this culture. Number one, you were supposed to greet one another with a holy kiss. Now, I don't know exactly what a holy kiss is. Jan and I disagree. I got my definition. She's got hers. Those are very different. Okay. I, thought, I thought that was funny. And then, uh, so that's number one. You're, you're supposed to anoint somebody's head with oil. Now, here's all this was. Y'all, they did this because people stunk. Like, y'all watch The Chosen, they're running around in bathrobes in 110 degree weather with no showers. This is an Axe body spray situation. They're like anointing people's heads with oil. And then you're supposed to wash their feet because feet were nasty and they were elevated near the table. Now, here's what happens. So this woman, door, remember, doors open at the dinner party. This woman of the city, apparently she was, I think she was probably just following Jesus around because he was the only one who treated her like a woman instead of a tool. And I think she saw him go in and she noticed, like, man, they, they, didn't, they, didn't, they, didn't, they didn't honor him. And I think she loved him so much that she was so indignant that they didn't honor him. She was like, well, then I'm going to do it. And she walks in and she does all three of these things. She kisses his feet, kisses his feet. She anoints his head by breaking this jar, this thing that was the tool of her trade. And then she washes his feet by letting down her hair. Again, I just want to point this out. Her letting down her hair, big deal. 
Only did that in the presence of husbands. In fact, there is a verse in the Song of Solomon that says, your hair is like a flock of goats descending down the mountain. That is a husband alone with his bride for the first time in a bridal chamber, and she is letting her hair down in his presence for the first time, and the hair is falling down the mountains, and mountains are mountains. Can I get a witness? That's what's happening right there, man. (laughs) So she's doing all this stuff. And this woman, what she's doing is she's going, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I am going to express my love for Jesus. I, I don't care. She's worshiping. Now, you need to know that this is what happens in the life of every person who experiences the mercy of Jesus. I usually don't like you to play with your phones. I'm getting ready to show you this diagram changed my life I saw 12 years ago. I, I was a few slides, so wait till the last slide. But this is the best visual depiction of the Christian life I've ever seen. All right, now check this out. Here's what this is. This is the flow of time in your life as a Christian, flowing from left to right. So this is the flow of time this way. At some point in your life, if you're a Christian, there came a point in your life where you stopped trusting in your own righteousness. You stopped thinking that you could be a good person in and of yourself. That is literally the definition of self-righteousness. You realized you couldn't. You realized that Jesus actually was righteousness, that he, he died for your sins and was raised again to give you new life. And you trusted in him, not you. That's the moment of your salvation. Now, from that moment on, two things began to happen in your life, okay? This this trajectory started that goes on out into eternity. Next slide. You gained, over time walking with Jesus, you gained, as you grew as a Christian, a higher and higher knowledge of God's holiness. You're studying his word. You're seeing his commands. you're, You're falling in love with who Jesus was. You're noticing all this stuff about his goodness. And the longer you're a Christian, the more holy you realize God is. But then this other thing happens that's like actually super counterintuitive. Instead of you, like the longer you're a Christian, thinking you're more and more and more righteous and awesome, it's actually the opposite. The longer you're a Christian, next slide, what happens is you get a deeper and deeper knowledge of your own sinfulness. Is that actually the longer you're a a Christian, the more and more you see your sin. So like, actually, I, I love doing this. Think about how the apostle Paul describes himself in the Bible. Have you ever noticed this? This is like super Bible nerd kind of thing. In one of the first letter Paul ever wrote, Here's how he described himself. He said, Paul and apostle. A letter he wrote a little later, he said, oh, I'm Paul, the least of all the apostles. Letter he wrote a little later, he goes, I'm Paul, the least, not just of all the apostles. I'm the least of all the saints. And then in the last letter Paul wrote, he said this, that Christ died for sinners among whom I am the worst. Now, if you read that, you're like, bro, is that like a reverse testimony going on? Like, what's going on? No, no, no. What's happening is the longer Paul walked with Jesus, the more aware of his sinfulness he became. Can I ask you this? Do you know who the worst sinner you know is? You. You are. Because you know all your sins. You know all your lustful thoughts, all your misaligned priorities. You know all the stuff you do in secret, all the desires you have that are outside of God's will. I only know the stuff you post on Instagram. Some of y'all do that. (laughs) It's like, that's the only stuff I know. You are the biggest sinner you know. So as this happens, now check this out, watch this. This this is where this gets real good. You get a higher view of God's holiness. You get a deeper awareness of your sinfulness. As those lines get farther apart, guess what gets bigger and bigger and bigger in your heart the longer you're a Christian? Next slide, the cross. More and more and more, you get an awareness of the bigness of the grace of God for you. And then what this passage said, remember what Jesus said to Simon? He said, whoever's been forgiven little, loves little. Whoever's been forgiven much, loves much. So as you realize you've been forgiven much, guess what gets real big? Your lo- Next slide, your love. 
Your love for God and people gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And guess what worship is? Worship is love expressed. This woman right here, man, what she's doing is she realized, man, there is a huge gap between where I'm at and where God commands me to be. And Jesus forgave the whole gap. So I see all the forgiveness, which means I got huge love. And so she pours out huge worship. Man, you guys gotta get this, man, that worship is love expressed. Worship, like, I, I'll be honest. I do not understand somebody who claims to have had all of their sins forgiven and their eternity secured, and they, and they don't worship Jesus. Like this woman, she is weeping and pouring out her life. Can I just ask you, when was the last time the gospel made you personally weep? And I know, man, some of you are more emotional than others, but I'll, I'll be, I'm, not, I'm not a super emotional dude. I can't think about it or talk about it that long with like, man, my, my eyes sweating. It's like last two sermons I preached. This is literally what I've been doing. I told Jana, the last two sermons I preached, I was like, babe, here's all I gotta do. I just gotta hold it together at the end. It makes people feel weird when they watch a grown man cry. I gotta hold it together at the end. Hold it together at the end. And then I'm preaching that sermon on, on all the gender stuff. And I get to that spot, I'm talking about how, G, how the Holy Spirit sent that dude out to chase down that eunuch. I'm like, I lost it in every single service, man. I walk out, Janet goes, how'd it go? I'm like, I freaking did it again. You know, but I, won't, but I shouldn't have said that. That's it, thanks for, thanks for grace, Jesus. We'll post a different one online. <clears throat> and then I walk out, just last week, I get to the end of the message, I'm talking about how, man, there's that guy who's like, nobody's ever told me God loves me. Every single service, I'm like sobbing like a toddler. Y'all, it's because I can't think or talk about what he did for me and my eyes not sweat a little bit. Man, can I just say this to you? When you, when you, when you look at all he's done for you and everything you were, how you were dead and now you're alive, how you were lame and now you walk, how you were blind and now you see, I don't understand how your eyes don't get a little leaky. I don't understand how we don't lift some hands in the holy sanctuary. I don't understand how you don't shout for joy, all you peoples, and clap your hands, all you nations. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I don't know how you don't do it, man, because of what he's done for you. In fact, let me just say it. Our worship should be as extravagant as his sacrifice. And if it's not, there is something that is off in our hearts. Now, here's what I know. Let me do a quick objection. Some of you are like, well, but I'm worshiping him in my heart. Let me just say that there are times when it's okay to be still and know that he is God. But there are also times where I don't care if you're a grown Texan man. There are also times where it's a man, I need to express with my body what I feel in my heart because that's what God's commanded me to do in the scriptures. And man, like when we get in here, can I just say this? Like in every other relationship in your life, you express with your body what you feel in your heart. I'm gonna come home to my kids in like 45 minutes. I'm gonna walk in the house. I'm gonna wrap them all up in bear hugs. I'm expressing in my, with my body what I feel in my heart. Man, man uh, if, I, if I just see some dude in the lobby I barely met, man, I'm gonna do the old hand clasp, bring it in, double tap and we're done, man. I'm like, I'm a, like, I love you. You're like a brother in Christ to me. We're like church members together. Like, I love you. L let me just say this, because usually dudes who struggle with this, okay? If your wife from now on started saying to you, hey, babe, I'm not gonna express it with my body anymore, anymore but I love you with my heart. Thank you, Mina. Did you hear all that feminine laughter that just happened? You hear that? That was a high-pitched laugh. There's a reason for that. Because if that happened, there would be a line of husbands from here to the Canadian border telling me to preach a sermon on how she needs to express with her body what she says she feels in her heart. 
Man, and when God commands us to lift hands in the holy sanctuary, to clap, to shout for joy, to sing, and to sing with joy, shout loud, sing joyfully. What he's doing, he's saying, man, express with your body what you feel with your soul. Man, bring me some worship like this woman did. Man, so let me just end it like this, okay? So when I first got to Lake Point, first year here, we were doing baptisms. And, uh, and we were doing baptisms that week, and everybody was like golf clapping the baptisms. You know? And then um, there was this lady that uh, had gone through our regen ministry. We got any regen shout outs in the room? Where's our regen ministry? That's right, man. Regen ministry, everybody in our church, you do regen ministry at least once in your life. That is for everybody. It's for anybody with hurts, habits, hangups. It's discipleship. At some point in your life, you should do it. So this lady had, had done it and she was getting baptized. And when it happened, like the region people do what the region people do. And they like, they did that thing they just did. Woo, you know, all this stuff. Woo, 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 woo girls, whatever. Hey guys. And uh, so they did it. And uh, after the service, the guy grabbed me in the lobby. And, uh, and he just said, he pulled me in. He whispered in my ear. He said, hey, pastor, sometimes those region people, they get a little crazy. That's what he said. They get a little crazy. Now, I know some of those people. And what I wanted to do is go, hey, bro, what you don't know, those people, all they're doing, they're expressing gratitude for what God's done in their life. Man, like, hang on, hang on. You're gonna have a second. You can clap in a second. I just wanna be like, hey, man, here's what you don't know. What you don't know about that guy is that he was an addict and now he's free. What you don't know about that girl that you were side-eyeing is that she was in prison, but Christ found her and today she came in and she worshiped with her family. Now, what you, hang on, you got a second, hang on. What you don't know about that guy is that guy, he was suicidal, and now he's got a hope and a future. And the reason that we sing is because we all walked in. There was some point in our life where we were sinners, but now we have eternal life and forgiveness in the name of Jesus. That's our, that's our applause moment, man. It's right there. And so, man, like, we're going we're gonna to give it to him. We're going to give it to him. And what I want to pray is that, like, God will begin to plant a grace so deep in your heart that it explodes in your life. And so... Let me pray. And so, Heavenly Father, like, thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you for loving prostitutes and thieves, tax collectors, sinners, liars. Us. Us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for being raised from the dead to give us new life. Thank you for the the gift of your Holy Spirit that makes us new people. I pray that you would pour him out in a fresh way in our life, heart, and church. God, I pray that people would have a grace awakening today. grace awakening that they would realize that your love for them is not dependent upon their obedience to you but that we are breathing grace we breathe it in from Jesus we breathe it out to people and that is the thing that will make us controversial in this world and so Father we love you we give ourselves to you afresh we pray it in the crucified risen name of Jesus Amen 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 Thanks for listening today for more biblical teaching and worship Join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.